0: Today, we're doing a special podcast, a special version of the Cupid's Coach podcast, and it's revelations from two seasoned matchmakers. And today, I'm interviewing one of my trusted colleagues. She's a real live professional matchmaker, also, and she and I have been colleagues for over 10 years, mostly in Los Angeles, is where we collaborate. And we have been generating introductions together. We have both attended so many dating industry conferences and we get to see so much. And there's really no better way to illustrate for all of you what's working like magic for people out there in the dating trenches and, well, what it is that's causing so many people to fail in dating and to continue failing in dating But this girl and I, we never give up. So we're going to share our insights with you together. We're going to see, we're going to let you see what we see, which is real life people out there navigating their way through the maze that dating is. Some are doing it well, some not so well. Some people cause our heads to turn sideways. Yeah, she and I both have dogs, and it's really cute when dogs' heads turn sideways. But when it's the matchmaker sitting at her desk watching real life people step into common dating traps, It's not so cute. So today, my guest is Mae Huey. She is, you can find her at matchmakermay.com, matchmakermay.com. She's been doing singles events, speed dating events, and personal matchmaking since, as far as I can see, 2009, which is when she and I first met. So she has personally orchestrated thousands of first dates, and I'm so happy to have this chance to introduce you to her. Our businesses are different in that I have both male and female clients for matchmaking. May specializes specifically in uh, gentleman clients and also Asian introductions. So welcome to the show, May Huey. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I got that right, right? You work both with Asian introductions and specifically with men. Yes,
1: correct. I work with any men who want to date Asian women. Uh, that is my niche market, and that's what I love to do for the past 10 and a half years, and also some singles events, like you said, speed dating and whatnot. But mainly the women join my database for free and get set up for free. So the men are the paying clients.
0: And the men are
1: specifically interested in Asian women, right? Correct. That is my focus. and But of course, if I have a gentleman who is caucasian and wants to meet caucasian women i have a huge database of non-asian women as well so i can help them out and just do a special search as well however i really want to focus on any men who want to meet asian women um, going starting now
0: (laughs) now just out of curiosity what percentage of those men who hire you Meet Asian women. What percentage of those men are Asian themselves, and what percentage would you say are not? I would say
1: fifty percent of the men are Asian men who want to meet Asian women, and probably fifty percent of non-Asian men want to meet Asian women. But they overlap. A lot of times, people who are open to meeting Asian are also open to meeting Caucasian and Latina. So I usually ask them for a second. Uh, Ethnicity, if you will, on their preference, not just solely search for one uh, group of people.
0: Yeah, I think that's smart. You know, I, I always tend to look at it this way the way the person has been doing dating hasn't yet delivered the intended results. So maybe if they are too narrowly focused, it is a good idea to broaden our perspective and consider the backup plan and try that hat on too and see if we don't find magic. Right, right. I tell them
1: uh, if you're solely interested in Asian women, can I just search 80% Asian women and present maybe 20% of non-Asian women to you? And of course, you still have the veto power to say no to the introduction. But certainly, I want to present different options to you because why did you hire me if you're just going to do the same thing you've been doing? This is no different.
0: It's really true, May. You know, I I like to think of it as. Really, with two different scenarios. One being the client knows himself or herself quite well, they know what's likely to work and what isn't. So, I want to honor that. And yet, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, (laughs) Yeah, but that doesn't work so far, so maybe we'll stretch just a little bit and see what happens. I have a really fascinating, beautiful Asian gentleman client that I worked with years ago, and he came to one of my recent events in Santa Monica, and I just fell in love with him all over again. Such a great guy. And I found this amazing woman who's Asian, and I really wanted to make the introduction. And she said to me, no, no, I only date Caucasian men. And it was just an instant (laughs) no. And I'm thinking, but how's that working for you, darling? Has it worked yet? why not just give this guy a shot and see why do you think it is that somebody would just completely and totally not want to date their own ethnicity or their own type? A lot of women
1: come to us and say, I don't not attracted to Asian men because it reminds me of my brother (laughs) or my cousin. And I'm like, come on. There's like billions of Asian Chinese men out there, how can they all remind you of your cousin or your brother or your father? So a lot of times it's that, what they grew up with, they're not attracted to because they've seen it, they relate to it and they just want something different. It's kind of like a blonde person wanting to date a guy who's not blonde because they're not, you know, they just want something different. So I hear that a lot actually with uh, the Asian women, they just don't find Asian men attractive especially if it reminds them of their relatives.
0: I see this a lot in the Jewish community as well. I've worked with so many Jewish people through the years and sometimes it'll be a man who says to me, "I just don't tend to click with Jewish women." <laughs> or a Jewish woman will say to me, "I'm just never attracted to the Jewish guys." So, but it makes the the match so much more challenging for us. Mm-hmm. Because if the other person, you know, you, you know how it works. We go to the men first to make sure he's interested, he's attracted. And if he's not attracted or interested, we got nothing, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. So we're always fighting with, with uh, fantasy, but part of what you're saying makes a lot of sense. The contrast um, when we think about nature and how nature thrives, often it is contrast like hybrids get created and, Um, sometimes they're the most beautiful babies in the whole world that are created and the other person's not, one person's Asian, the other person's from Bolivia. I mean, it's just really fascinating to see how it all works out. Do you think it happens more this um, exclusivity for people who are looking to have children, or do you see it also with people who are 40s, 50s, 60s? I think it's all across the board.
1: I have, Uh, Some Jewish men who come to me, they marry Jewish women for their first marriage, have the kids, pleased the parents. And now they're like, I want to date Asian. And I'm like, okay, do you have any Asian ex-girlfriends, ex-wives? No, I just (laughs) now I've always been attracted to Asian women. And because I'm going to pay for a service, that's who I want. I'm like, okay, well, tell me, can you tell the difference between Korean, Japanese, Chinese? no <laughs> so it's like okay so you really don't have experience but you want to meet different cultures and different people and that's fine and dandy if you're going to start the second chapter of your life and you want to experiment i suggest you date all across the board all ethnicities people who you thought you would never have in, anything in common with you just don't know cuz everyone is so different and I think that they're not giving themselves enough credit to be confident to date all across the board because sometimes they're not comfortable with a different culture because they're not familiar with it and they don't want to look like an idiot on a date if they're asking questions about their lives.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Now, um, how many speed dating events would you say you have produced in all these years? (laughs) Well, every time
1: I host an event. I try to do four events on one day. So four times four, 16 times 10, 160 at least. So that's a lot of speed datings, but it's so great because they get to meet 20 guys or 20 women at once. Like they pay a $50, $60 ticket price, but where else can you go to meet Fifteen or twenty women or men in
0: one night, just nowhere, right? Nowhere. And hats off to you. I have produced several speed dating events, and personally, uh, it's just exhausting. Not only setting it up, finding the right numbers of people, because you got to have gender balance, age balance, all of that. But then afterwards, there's an enormous amount of work because maybe Harry wants to meet Sally, but Sally doesn't want to meet Harry, and what do you do about that? So hats off to you for doing all that work all these years. Well,
1: I have a lovely, lovely, lovely IT lady who helped me create a platform to do all that. So I also send the speed daters people who pick them that they overlooked. So I give them a second chance to rack their brain and see if they want to meet that person. So I call them second chance matches and also the mutual matches. So I do both and give them the most information about the speed dating.
0: I, I love that. And I will do the same thing. It's part of the reason why I get exhausted even thinking about doing a speed dating event is I don't have that particular piece of technology that you created. So, yeah, Harry wants to meet Sally. Sally's like, eh, not so much. But I'll go back to her and say, listen, um, the guy you wanted to meet, Josh, well, he didn't say yes to seeing you again, but, but Harry did. And he really likes you. Right. You were his top pick, so would you give him a shot? And I know what you're going to say. The, the people who do say yes to those second chance meetings, they're usually the ones who end up succeeding in love.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because they're open-minded yeah. and they already have that mentality that they're going to meet somebody. So they make it that end goal. They actually feel it and act like, they're hopeful and that they're excited and positive and no negative Nancy's on these speed dating events. You know, if they are positive, they usually get two or three matches, mutual matches. Yeah. And that's really good to get mutual matches. It's not easy.
0: And it's very rare. That's the thing that always surprises me. Uh, I do an event called conversational quickies and it's similar. Only we have people seated at tables six to eight and then, um, even men and women ideally, and then there's a rotation. So all the women get to meet all the men and all the men get to meet all the women. And it's a really great concept. And at the end of it, I'm always looking for those mutual matches and I'm always so surprised and truly disappointed that there aren't more, but where I'll save the day just like you will. is I'll go back and say, okay, Harry, I'm so sorry. Sally didn't go for you, but Suzanne did. What do you think? And those are the people that I see connecting. It's kind of bizarre, like the same three girls are picked by everybody and the same three guys are picked by everybody. Do you find that experience as well? Well, I always tell
1: the speed daters that, yes, there are going to be 20% of the people there that you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, he's hot, she's cute, I want to meet him. And 20% that you're like, oh, my gosh, how did they sneak in the door? But then there are the 80% who – I'm sorry, 60% who – Can go either way depending on their personality, how they carry themselves, how they take notes, how they ask questions, what eye contact they make, all that stuff. So, I, yeah, anything, anything can happen at a speed dating. You just never know. Just like online dating, I encourage um, all my single friends to do online dating because where else can you go with a huge salad bar of men and women to choose from? Yes.
0: And especially if people are taking time and giving it the attention that it deserves, instead of just sitting there looking at their stupid phone, you know, quickly dismissing everybody, you know, throwing each other in the discard pile in a half a second to challenge yourself to slow down a little bit and look and see who this person is truly underneath just the facade of the face or whatever kind of photo they loaded And that 60% that you talked about, May, that's where the lion's share of the really great relationship-oriented people are, is the people who get all the attention, usually get spoiled (laughs) and they don't put enough effort into it. Right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. The tall, hot guys, they don't have to try as hard. And they're probably not going to be good partners right off the bat. Like you just need to give the 60% a chance.
0: Yes, I think that's true
1: feel like there is someone out there for everyone. And I guess that's what makes us great matchmakers, Julie, is because we believe in that. We believe that there is someone out there for everyone. And the hottest girl, she's probably going to pick the hottest guy. Yes. Okay. So they go together. But do you really want someone who's hotter than you in life? Like, do you want to worry <laughs> about them potentially cheating on you or someone uh, taking their attention away from you? Or I don't know. It's just, there are so many great people who look like a six or a seven, but they get dressed up and they could look like a nine or a 10. So it's just, there are so many great singles. I can't even, even after working 10 and a half years in this industry, there are so many great singles out there. I just love it. I mean, that's yeah. what keeps us in business, right? So
0: Yeah, and and you still have the enthusiasm for it, larger than ever, and I'm the same way. <laughs> <I> just, uh, <laughs> Even though it's frustrating sometimes, like yesterday, I just heard about a couple that is sticking together. As a matter of fact, they're buying a home together. I'm writing a blog article about it right now. Do you know how many miles apart there are between the two of them? <laughs> 3,000. 1,246, I think. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, And yet they happened to be in the same city at the same moment in time. I knew them both. They both had some skin in the game. She did a consultation with me. He was my client. I went ahead and did the introduction, even though the chances of her ever being back in that little town again were pretty slim. But we made the introduction happen, and they clicked. And this is a guy who's, I've introduced him to 29 people in the course of two years. And this is the one that's stuck, and she lives the farthest away. And meanwhile, I got a guy who doesn't want to drive down to Manhattan Beach from Santa Monica to meet a woman who's driving up from Long Beach. I mean, give me a break, right?
1: You just don't know where your soulmate's gonna be. They can be across the country, they can be in another state. I love stories when people meet when they're both on a vacation and then they end up being together. Like, wow, that, what are the chances of that happening? And, but I don't think distance is an issue. I am with my husband now after 13, 14 years, but when we first started dating, I planned on moving out of Los Angeles and we started dating 10 days before I moved out of LA and I moved to New Orleans and we dated long distance for a year. And then the second year he moved out to New Orleans and we're still together now. So did I want a long distance relationship with someone from New Orleans to LA? No, I didn't, but it happened. (laughs) So I don't think distance should be an issue for anyone. Like anything can happen. Did I think I was going to move to Colorado? No, I did not think I was going to move to
0: Colorado, but anything can happen. I truly believe that. Yes, anything can happen for people who are sincere and grown up and mature and willing to be flexible and put in the effort that relationship is. It's a whole lot easier to sit on the sidelines and discard people right and left than it is to do the work of being in a relationship and crossing those those you know overcoming those hurdles like distance or whatever the issues might be another couple I'm working with right now she's got a really strict diet she's uh, got celiac disease and she doesn't have a lot of flexibility in what she eats so at the beginning when I started working with her, it was really challenging because she was being real fussy and picky about where she ate and what she ate. But we worked through it and we just, we just found restaurants that work for her and she wasn't making her dietary stuff an issue. And he didn't even know that she had a dietary constraint for the first few dates because she just didn't talk about it. Right.
1: No, that's great. That's a great story. Yeah. I um, have similar stories like that, being a good dater, being not a good dater. And, but a lot of times I find that with our jobs um giving the date feedback to the men and women they're not they're just clueless sometimes you just think it's common sense but it's really not if you don't point it out to them they're like oh gosh i never really thought of that so
0: yeah so give me an example like, of something that's been um something, something that's been a little like in your mind pretty clueless but and they weren't doing it right, and they learned, and then they turned it around. Can you yeah, think an example? Yeah, just
1: last night, actually, I set this gentleman up with a really nice lady, great job, good career, wants kids, age-appropriate, like, they look good together, I thought. And with everything else, you know, their key life values and their goals and all that. And she said that he met, they're going for drinks, so he got there early, um, probably maybe 15, 20 minutes early. So he already got a drink. Um, she walked in and sat down and he didn't offer to get her a drink. And I'm like, why did he go ahead and get his own drink first? Why didn't he just wait for her and do, you know, the gentlemanly thing, but instead he got his own deal. Then she just waited and he never offered. And then (sighs) 20 minutes passed by and she goes, Oh, is there a server around here? Like I want to order something. And he goes, Oh, yeah, there is. And then the server comes and then they order. But in her mind, it's like, wow, that first 20 minutes, first impression, he wasn't even being uh, gentlemanly and being nurturing and like making her feel comfortable and welcomed. So I actually <laughs> wonder if he like stood up and, you know, welcomed her to the table or whatnot. But when I pointed that out to him, he's like, Oh, I didn't even think anything of that. I just thought, I come here often. I'm so comfortable. But that's the thing. You're so comfortable in that environment. You should make her feel comfortable because she was definitely uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, so like I'm, I'm so glad you brought that scenario up, May, because I see this a lot and I know you do too. A woman has a certain expectation or he might be the one who has a certain expectation that things should go a certain way. And so they end up sort of sitting there waiting for it. You know, like, isn't he going to ask me what I want to drink? Mm -hmm. Or in some cases, I saw this this past week, where the guy was waiting for her to offer to split the tab. He had an expectation that that would be something that she would do. Even though you and I both know that first dates, it's really a smart thing for the guy to just pick a place he's comfortable springing for and just he should go for the tab. Right. So in either situation... It shouldn't go 20 minutes before someone says something. She should jump in and save the day and say, I'm thirsty. Do you see a server? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But the
1: different um, expectations on the date, the different, maybe she was kind of testing him like, well, is he going to ask how long is it going to take? I don't know. I feel like a, sometimes the women test men on dates and that might be a test. Yeah, instead and she's of just, setting
0: him up to fail. So instead right, of engaging right. in what's going on right there, she's sitting there thinking, well, how long's it going to be? It's been 10 <laughs> right. minutes and he hasn't done it yet. <laughs> and meanwhile, she's, she's still single today, okay? Because she didn't save the day. The thing I'm trying to impress upon people I'm working with these days is that women, we are so often the drivers of relationship. Maybe we have better manners. Maybe we were just, you know, we're we're a little bit more sensitive to uh, manners and appropriate behavior and all of that. I don't know about your husband, but Mr. Furman loves to talk with his mouth full. It's not good manners, right? (laughs) Is that what Gil does? Oh my God. (laughs) You're going to have to pay attention next time we're on a cruise ship together. So it's so adorable because I've decided that it's adorable. Does it make me crazy sometimes? Yeah, but then I have to just kind of make it adorable and it doesn't derail me. And there are so many things like that that can happen on a first date. The guy doesn't jump up to get the, you know, to offer her a drink or, you know, some girls expect he's going to stand up when she gets to the table, uh, he might show up five minutes late, and she'll make an, a, you know, a, an assumption in her mind that oh, he's one of those guys who doesn't care about dating. You know, it's easy to jump to a conclusion when we could give the person the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, just be a little bit more
1: forgiving and use common sense. I feel like the common sense piece is missing because, if, for example, I know we had set up our mutual clients uh, last week and. We remind the man to say hello to the woman, like say hello, text just to say, Hey, excited to meet you tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And this woman was wondering when he was going to call her or text her. But your email to me was, Well, just have her, you know, send a quick text to say hello. It's like, Yes, it's common sense. It's like you don't have to wait for the guy yeah, to reach that's out a to you. Classic like,
0: example. Yeah. You we, and I yeah. are matchmakers who like to set up the first date completely because we don't want people to mess it up or misunderstandings or you know, the guy tries to call her and she's at the grocery store and she can't talk and she says, Call right. me later. And oh, it's so hard to get people together. So we do the back end work and we set the date, we send the confirmation email. We encourage him to send over a quick text that says, hey, May, see you Saturday. Looking forward to it. Maybe a day or two goes by and he hasn't done that yet. Does that mean he doesn't care? No. no. Does that, maybe he didn't realize that he was supposed to or whatever. Right. And she can save the day by sending a text. Hey, John, I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. I'll be there. Why is that against the rules?
1: Right. No guy is going to be like, oh my gosh, she's so aggressive, so type (laughs) A for sending me that text. I'm so intimidated by her. Like, no guy is going to say that. He's going to be like, oh, thanks for the reminder. Yes, I'm so excited to meet you. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Like, whatever that may be, it just seems like women and men should just relax and just, it's hard enough to get a first date set up sometimes. So, when matchmakers, Set up the date for you, you should just do everything in your power to make sure it happens. That's what I feel like. Like, just do what you think is common sense and go with it. Just go with the flow and be less forgive, more forgiving on some of the things that the men
0: or women miss sometimes. I'm sorry if the audio is a little goofy. I think there's like phone buzzing or something in the background. Um, Anything else that you can share with us that you see on? first date behavior or speed dating behavior that is just kind of duh, but people are not getting it?
1: Well, a lot of times speed dating, I get to watch them and kind of eavesdrop and, you know, be the fly on the wall. And it's interesting where the speed dating tables aren't that far apart. You know, you still see the person on your left, you see the person on the right common sense would say okay ask different questions to each person because they can overhear you if you're just going through the list of the questions that you want to ask so be unique so a lot of times i think to myself gosh they can hear you just say something different you don't want to say the same thing over and over to everybody and you don't want it to be like an interview style so if you're date etiquette is an interview style, you might want to switch it up and just be in the moment and enjoy your date and ask questions back and forth versus going through your checklist.
0: Yeah. And I really love to see people with creative, different, open-ended kinds of questions. Uh, One of my gentleman clients had been on so many online dates and he wanted his matchmaking dates to be different. So what he and I did early on in his program is we went back and forth and we created like 30 or 40 different really interesting questions that he can ask or topics he can bring up on a first date. And what he said was that it transformed dating for him altogether. And anytime it would be like, you know, sometimes you're on a date and it kind of gets a little flat and you're kind of like, oh, it's feeling a little awkward. He would just say, wait a minute. I'm going to save the day here. And he opened up his phone to the place where he had kept all those questions. And he said, I'm going to ask you a question I've never asked on a first date. Can you handle that? He'd say, well, sure. And he'd ask one of those brand new questions. And every time he said it saved the date, it saved the day. That's cute. I Isn't like that amazing? Yes. Um, what do you say about at the end of the date, or after the date? I'm hearing an awful lot, I'm sure you are too, about the ghosting behavior, which is when people just vanish. They act like they're interested. They're nice. They say, oh, sure, call me or whatever. But then she just ignores him or he ignores her. What do you have to say about that?
1: I feel like people ghost somebody, like a man would ghost a woman if he doesn't want her to hurt her feelings and tell her how he really feels. So sometimes he uses that as a way to avoid hurting her feelings. So he would rather just not lead her on and kind of disappear. So what does it do in in reality? (laughs) Well, in reality, it makes her feel like crap, like low self-esteem. And gosh, what did he not like about me? Can't he just tell me so I could just have some closure in my mind and I move on? Versus men probably doesn't need closure. They're ready to move on already. So they don't need to send a last goodbye text or anything like that. But the woman wants to hear it. And then she knows, okay, now I know he's not interested. I'll move on. So I guess the best and easiest way, if you're not a match, is just to say, gosh, I had a really great time last night. I just don't feel like we're a match. But good luck with your search. Like, just a thank you for dinner. Yep. I appreciate it. I don't think we're a match.
0: I'm not feeling any chemistry. I, I move on. There's something interesting that happens too with grown up daters. I think that people who are, and we kind of have different groups, and I know you do too. There's like the young people who are ready for marriage and babies, and they're in their 20s and 30s. Maybe the guy's in his early to mid 40s and he wants a family. Then there's the people who kind of go either way on the baby issue. And then there are what I call the grownups, people who are typically 45 plus, they're not interested in having kids, that chapter's closed for them. And I find that that grown-up group tends to be a little bit more forgiving. There's this one example I'm thinking about where at the end of the date, these two people were both in their early fifties and they both gave me the nice date good person not sure the romance part was there but thanks for the introduction we get a lot of that right mm-hmm. so in this particular case she knew that women can develop attraction over time far better than men than men can and so because she wasn't really feeling it quite yet she thought i'm going to give it another shot so waiting rather than waiting for him to say, oh, you know, let's have another date. She just went for it. And she said, hey, listen, there's an art gallery opening. And I think you'd like this artist. You want to go with me? And he said, sure. So just as a friendly little, let's go see an art gallery kind of a get together, what they started noticing is that they felt comfortable together. So they kept doing the art gallery thing. And it was probably five or six dates down the road. They hadn't kissed. They hadn't even held hands. But he began to notice that he felt very comfortable with her and he was beginning to develop attraction for her in that romantic kind of way. I see more of this with grown-ups than I do with people in their 20s. What do you have to say? Well, because as we get older
1: now, in you know, my 40s, I appreciate things more. I have a different outlook on people and I know that I shouldn't be judging them so quickly. And hopefully the people in their 40s and 50s Realize that, and not to mention, it's tough to get a second or third date. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not so easy that you set someone up and then they hit it off, and next thing you know, they're on their second, third, or fourth date. It's kind of like if you like someone and you think there's a chance that they can be something to you later and develop, then you should just give them a chance. If there's no red flags right away. And I feel like the people who are young because they have so many options that they easily discard this person in front of them because they don't like to watch Game of Thrones or something. (laughs) Like their reasoning is not, you know, their reasoning is not um, where a 40 or 50 something year old would think like their mentalities are different. So I feel like the 20s and 30s, they feel like they have so many options that They're just not giving them a chance. But when you're in your 40s, you're not meeting people at college. You're not meeting people at jobs. You're, you know, your social circle is different. So you really don't take things for granted anymore.
0: Yep. It's really sweet when uh, when love happens for the young people, the naive, sweet, innocent love. um, I'm always delighted when I see that. Uh, But I have to say when it happens for grownups, it's really, really touching for me. Tell me a story before I let you go of one of your success stories that you really liked. Like maybe you didn't think they'd connect and they did some story that about a real life couple that connected that's inspirational to you. Um, Actually this
1: couple connected a while back. They're actually married now. Um, a gentleman came to us. I think he had three kids and we kept setting him up with women who maybe just have one or two or none. And then I thought, man, let me try to look for women that is in the same boat as him. Because when there's a single person and they have three or four kids, it's really tough to set them up now because people right away are like, oh, that's a lot of kids. I'll date Mm -hmm. a guy or a girl with one or two kids, but three or four, that's a lot. So anyway, I switched up my strategy instead of searching for women with one or two kids, I thought, well, let's look three or four. So this one gal was, she had three kids. He has three kids. I set them up. Obviously they also aligned with their um, hobbies and values and all that, but she was a little bit taller than what he liked. And you know how guys are sometimes a little bit paranoid about, they don't want women taller than them. And women also don't want men shorter than them. So I thought, well, you know what? They have enough in common and hopefully they'll overlook the one or two inches because no one ever said, oh my gosh, he's such a great partner because he's tall. You know, so (laughs) I thought, okay, let's see if they're mature enough to overlook that part. And they did. And they love the fact that they had so much in common with the three kids. You know, they're all around the same age. And next thing you know, they actually got married, um, within six months. Like when they knew they knew and they're still together. I still keep in touch with them, but that's an example of that probably wouldn't have happened if they were dating online, you know, because online dating is so, so superficial with the height and, you know, the kids and all that stuff. But because I recommended that he should meet her and I recommended him to her they felt better. Like, okay, I'll, I'll trust May because she's never steered me wrong. So yeah, I that, love that story.
0: Yeah. Thank it's you like, for sharing that. Yeah,
1: it's like an example of, gosh, when you hire Julie, when you hire May, anything can happen if you just let it and be open-minded about it. And maybe when you're in your forties and fifties, the height thing doesn't matter as much anymore, you know, cause you're not gonna, maybe you want to a tall husband, because you wanted your kids to be tall. I don't know, but
0: yeah, things like I, that. I definitely see that, and I want to really, uh, those of you who are listening, who are kind of hung up on the height issue. I really hope this story hit home with you, <laughs> because, like May said, I don't know one marriage that made it or didn't based on that the guy was five inches taller than she was. Uh, you know, it's just not what causes love to stick or not to stick. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. So anybody who wants to reach you, May, if they want to get registered with you, if they want to do coaching or potentially matchmaking with you, how do they reach you? They can reach me at matchmakermay.com
1: or my phone number is 310-867-0851. I'm based out of LA and Colorado and I just love, love, love meeting anyone who want to date Asian women. So so I have a bunch of them. great. Well, Asian <laughs> women are kind of hot right now. So, <laughs> um,